Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author of over 37 books on diet, detox, the environment, and women's health. For more than four decades, Anne Louise has been regarded as a leading voice and visionary in nutrition and who has fearlessly stood on the front lines of holistic and integrative medicine. For more information, check out annlouise.com. That's A-N-N-L-O-U-I-S-E.com. And here's your host, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hi, everyone. Ann Louise Gittleman here for First Lady of Nutrition. Today, we've got a fascinating guest, Dr. Jeffrey Hanschel, who is an optometrist that's written about the importance of the eyes and nutrition. So please join me for how to preserve your eyes till 120. Thank you so much. Dr. Hanschel, how did you become interested in nutrition in the eyes? Uh, well, it was back in the 1970s. I started working at a holistic center near San Diego. And there I am working with chiropractors and acupuncturists and alternative healthcare people. And everybody had nutrition attached to their specialty. Uh, except yeah. you. Except me. And I realized, you know, when I would tell somebody I deal with nutrition and eye health, all they say is, well, just eat a bunch of carrots, right? And I you know, quickly realized that that is actually a fallacy, even though your mom had the good intentions. Um, eating carrots is not going to change your, your uh, vision. Uh, your prescription. Uh, but I mean, there are good things about eating carrots and other vegetables. So um, I quickly learned that anything that's good for the body is good for the eyes. So why don't we take care of our eyes the way we should? As we get older, we discover we have eyes, but until the age of 50 or 60, we ignore them. What exactly. happens, what happens well, to our eyes? Tell me. Well, it's actually, see the th two things about eye problems. They're slow to develop, Ah, and they're painless and they tend to be painless oh my unless you get, unless you get, you know, an eyelash in there or something like that. But there's no pain receptors in the back of the eye. So, um, you know, a lot of these um, issues we're not, uh, we're not aware of. And if we're seeing clearly, which is all everybody thinks about their eyes. Uh, yeah, I can see clear. I can see 2020. I have perfect vision. Um, there's more to it than that. It always, it always drove me crazy when I would have a, a young person come into the office asking how much I charge for an eye exam. And I would tell him and he goes, you're charging that much just to read letters on a chart? Oh. Well, you know, it's, you know, yeah, I went to school for four years just to learn how to you know, read letters on a chart. So, yeah, it's much more complicated than that, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, without the pain signals that, you know, a toothache would cause, um, you know, we don't have motivation to go see an eye doctor unless we can't see something. And even with kids, you know, these young kids think everybody sees the way they do. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times they put a pair of glasses on a young child and they go, oh my gosh, I can see the leaves on the trees now. Oh my goodness. And they never realized that they couldn't, you know, see as well as they should be. So when we go see an optometrist, what should be the predictive eye test that one should ask for? 
Well, hopefully the doctor knows what to test for. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, right. you would hope, you would hope. And actually that's what I've been doing for the last several years is giving, um, yeah, that's why I started my nutrition society. I started the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society and we teach eye doctors about nutrition and its role in eye health. Wonderful. Yeah, so, you know, basically it, it starts with the case history. Like what's your problem? Why are you here? I mean, it's nice to say someone, you know, comes in and says, well, it's just my routine exam. Uh, we don't get that often, but, um, you know, we find out what their problems are and then delve a little bit more, you know, deeply into how they're seeing if there's any eye strain. And that's actually why I wrote one of my more recent books, What You Must Know About Eye Strain, is because that's one of the big things that's coming up more recently, uh, a lot related to the pandemic. You're kidding. So I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'm interested. So what are you seeing since the pandemic? Well, the fact is, and, and you'll hear uh, news stories now about how students are not performing as well since the pandemic, and they're blaming it on the fact that they're not in school. And the way I view it is that it's related to their eyes. Because when you have a child in a classroom, they're looking at their, you know, they probably have a computer screen these days, no problem. But they're also talking to their friends, looking out the window, looking across the room, you know, looking back and forth, going all, all over the place and still in a learning environment. But when they're sitting at home and doing remote learning, their eyes are locked onto that screen for six or more hours a day. And that is not how our eyes are designed to work. You know, our eyes are designed to work with some flexibility. That's why I created the 20-20-20 rule for eye strain for computer users. And, and, what, that, ru and that rule yeah. is, yeah, it's, it actually is tied into what I call the 3B approach, blink, breathe, and break. And in taking breaks, that's where I came up with 20-20-20. And every 20 minutes, just take 20 seconds and look 20 feet away. And that allows your eyes to relax and unfocus and see clearly at a distance, which is important because if your eyes are locked into that computer or close viewing distance for hours at a time, the eye will adapt and make, to make it easier to see up close and actually become nearsighted. So that when you, at the end of the day, you go to look far away and you know, everybody thinks they have night blindness because they can't see so clearly at night. But the fact is, we do become more nearsighted at night just because of the way our eyes work because we're not designed to, you know, the eyes were not developed to be driving at night. That's the hardest thing we do uh, with our eyes. But, um, you know, we become more nearsighted at night and if we're overstraining during the day and our eyes are locked into that close viewing distance for hours at a time, then we can't unfocus and see clearly at distance. Of course, you get a good night's sleep, you wake up the next morning, everything is clear, and you go back and do the same thing over and over again. So once you get into that routine, that's where things start going downhill. Are you seeing an increase in cataracts, macular degeneration, and what's the other one, glaucoma, as we get older? Absolutely. And all three of those that you mentioned are age-related diseases. Why? Now, yeah. Um, why? Why? Well, all right, let's start with cataracts since you brought that up first. Thank you. Uh, the lens inside the eye that does that focusing, okay, it has to be clear. So it, it also has to have proper nutrition. So where does it get its nutrients? Well, there's a fluid 
floating inside the eye uh, behind the cornea, which is the front of the eye, and between the cornea and the colored part, the iris. So there's a chamber in there that has fluid in it. It's called the aqueous fluid or aqueous humor. And this fluid feeds the lens. This fluid also happens to have 26 times more vitamin C in it than any other fluid in the body. Fascinating. So I'm kind of guessing that maybe vitamin C has something to do with the clarity of the lens. Oh, that is fascinating. We're big believers in vitamin C. We've had a lot of guests that have talked about the benefits of vitamin C, but I know. And the other thing is that the lens is uh, all protein and it continues to grow through, throughout your life. Think of the lens as a, uh, an M&M, the size and shape of an M&M, a plain M&M, and um, the consistency of a clear onion. So it's got these layers and layers of cells that continue to grow. And where when you're young, your lens is very thin and has a lot of flexibility to it. But as we age, the lens gradually thickens and thickens because it keeps growing. And that's number one, why we lose our focusing ability in our 40s is because the lens is just too thick. Well, it's not, a, not really a muscle problem like people think, but the muscles tend to be in good shape, but the lens just is too thick right now and it doesn't have the flexibility it used to have. So that's why focusing ability is age-related. But on top of that, the, because it gets thicker and thicker, the transfusion of nutrients to the center core of the lens is decreasing. So that's where we need to increase you know, nutrients like vitamin C to help get more into the lens. And when it doesn't get enough nutrients, it starts to break down and those fibers distort and they stop being clear anymore and they become cloudy. And that's a cataract. I used to read about cataracts and sugar metabolism. Is there a connection, doctor? Well, sugar is a whole topic in itself. And it is the bottom line is sugar is pro-inflammatory. So it creates inflammation and it affects our metabolism in all kinds of bad ways. And it's, it's really, you know, almost impossible to totally get away from sugar because, you know, there's what 20 some different, you know, names for different sugars that are in our foods. But um, if we can limit it and, you know, maintain, you know, some supplemental nutrients to help uh, process it, you know, should be okay. Um, I did a, a lecture at a senior center one time, and it was a nutrition for eye health lecture. And I got to the part about cataracts, and I said, how many people here have had cataracts? Uh, their cataracts are moved and every hand went up in the air. Oh my goodness. It is the most common surgery done in the United States. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so is it, is it always safe, Dr. Anschel? Well, any surgery is a challenge, but again, given that it's done so often and there's so many different options and, you know, the, uh, the implants that, you know, they basically take out the lens and put in a new plastic one. And the technology in that is constantly evolving. So, you know, the good news uh, for people that do have the surgery is they do have a lot of choices on, you know, how they want to see and, and the technology is getting better. So um, it's hard to call, you know, any surgery, you know, 100% safe. But again, being that these doctors are doing a lot of them, they're probably pretty good at it. So... 
what should we take nutritionally to prevent cataracts? And there's something topically. Uh, I used to I used to read about an L-carnosine fluid. Put in You're right. Yeah, that came out of Russia years ago, and it's basically a high dose antioxidant. So basically, um, cataracts antioxidants is really the only thing that we've seen that's made much of a difference. What about glaucoma? Now, glaucoma is an increased pressure, or is usually associated with an increased pressure inside the eye. Now, it's not directly associated with blood pressure because there's fluids constantly being pumped into and drained out of the eye. The, the fluid that feeds the lens that I talked about, that fluid is replaced on a regular basis. So the eye produces this fluid and pumps it into the eye, and then there's a drainage channel to you know, drain it out of the eye and to keep the circulation going. So there's two basic types of glaucoma. There's uh, what we call open angle and closed angle uh, because the drainage area of the eye um, is at the corner between the colored iris and the front cornea, the clear cornea. And you know, it comes down to a, a narrowing where it goes into the blood system. So the angle between the iris and the cornea needs to be opened up so that channel allows drainage. And sometimes it gets, if it gets too clogged up or closed up, you know, that's, you know, that's an emergency situation. But most of the glaucoma is related to open angle, which means that the angle is open and for some reason, the pressure is going up and we don't really know. And to complicate things even more, there's a condition called NTG, which is normal tension glaucoma where the pressure is fine. You know, we, you know, people get that puffed air test at the doctor's office or some my, other different test. My favorite, test. my favorite. Everybody's favorite. They love it. And I got news for you. That's the easiest part of the exam. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know it freaks people out, but it's, you know, it's quick and easy and it's, it's a little spooky, but, you know, um, you know, it works. It's worth and, it. And we don't need drops for the eye to do it or anything too complicated. But anyway, um, so the challenge is, you know, sometimes we, you know, take the eye pressure and we see it's high. And then we look at the optic nerve in the back of the eye and see if it looks like it's being pushed out. Now, the center of the optic nerve is the softest part of the back of the eye because it's nerve tissue. And it'll get a push, you know, so when we look at it at that angle, we'll see it look like a, like a cup like a, you know, a deep cup. And that means that the center of it is being pushed out. That's typically related to the pressure inside the eye pushing on it. Well, the problem is sometimes we see normal eye pressures and then we look at the back of the eye and there we go see this deep cup again. And we go, uh-oh, what's going on here? So there's a bit of a disconnect. So we have to do a third test, which is called a peripheral vision or visual field test, which tests your side vision. And the challenging part with glaucoma is when you do lose vision, it's your side vision that goes first. Huh. So you could be seeing 20-20 clear vision till the day you go blind, which huh. sounds pretty rough, but that's honestly the case. And so we call it the sneak thief of sight because there's you know no pain, no symptoms for the most part. You lose your vision from the side, you don't notice it until all of a sudden you, you know, driving is difficult or somebody surprises you coming up from behind you. And so your peripheral vision starts going. So that's our third test that we do. We test your peripheral vision to see if there's any loss of vision there. 
And certainly if there's any loss of vision there, we, you know, we got to get your eye pressure down. And unfortunately, that's the only treatment for glaucoma is to reduce eye pressure. We use and, topical drops, using something. Yeah, that's topical. and that's the challenging part. It's drops. Uh, for the most part, it could be only one or one or two drops a day, um, you know, or sometimes just before you go to sleep. But at the same time, uh, I am working with a company that has a nutritional product. It's called Capsiclear, C-A-P-S-I-C-L-E-A-R, Capsiclear. And it's distributed by Health Through Nutrition. And this, we just did a, a study and, and found out that this product, when given in the correct dosage, it, number one, it helps with uh, absorbing blue light, which everybody's freaked out about these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, we, and we have natural blue light filters in our eyes, but I'll talk about that later. Um, but also it helps reduce inflammation in the tear film. So it helps with dry eyes and it also lowers eye pressure. Oh my goodness, this is a breakthrough. Really? And, and it does it within a week. <laughs> Wow. Now this this was a rat study, and you know a lot of our studies are done on rats and, and sure. mice, you know, first. So they're in the process of putting together a human study, but it's looking pretty good so far, because the this the study they did, I mean, it really brought the eye pressure down to normal within seven days in these rat studies, and that was just taking you know one I believe one or two pills a day. Would you repeat the name of the product and where to get it? Yeah, Capsiclear, C-A-P-S-I-C-L-E-A-R. Health through nutrition. Yeah, and it's health, the through is T-H-R-U, health through nutrition. So what do you suspect causes glaucoma? You said there's no cause, but what is your suspicion? Uh, well, you know, basically it's a degeneration of the optic nerve is where I'm kind of head looking at more because again, we have the eye pressure and, you know, if, if everybody who had glaucoma had high eye pressure, I would say, well, it's just the pressure pushing on the nerve and degenerating it and causing it to, to decrease. But what's, what's going on with normal tension glaucoma? So we're looking at things like, um, you know, um, spinal, you know, cerebrospinal fluid pressure, you know, is that a possibility? I mean, it might be, but it, there's no treatment for it or even waves of easily measuring it in the clinic. So, you know, it's a very complicated disease and, and uh, basically there's no cure for it. It's just management and basically trying to reduce the loss of vision as, as much as possible for as long as possible. And where do you see it start in their 50 people in their 50s, 60s? Uh, well, it can start at any time, but typically, yeah, it's in 50, you know, anybody over 50 is certainly needs that yearly, you know, I, I, you know, most doctors these days, however, include the eye pressure test for everybody. And mm -hmm. I, I agree. That's something that should be done. Uh, because, you know, kids can have high eye pressures and it could be related to becoming nearsighted because that's another huge area of study now is the cause of nearsightedness. And while, you know, we think it's a simple fix, it's just no big deal. We throw some glasses on somebody, they can see clear again. When we start getting to this stage of extreme nearsightedness where, you know, when people take off their glasses, they could barely see the end of their nose. 
um, that's that could be problematic. That could cause other eye diseases further on down the line, you know, in late later years. So we're starting to look at that as you know, keeping that nearsightedness under control. One of the issues that I'm looking at is the fact that nutritionally, um, the white of the eye is deprived of some nutrients or too much sugar that softens it. And then these young kids have poor diets that lead to an increase in high eye pressure and that expands the eye uh, when they look up close and you know the pressure goes up inside the eye and then their eyeballs get too long and that's nearsightedness. Hi, my friends. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to, to acknowledge my sponsor, Unikey Health at unikeyhealth.com, which is your universal key to health since 1992. I have been a spokesperson for this company for over 30 years. They're the home of all my weight loss plans, the Fab Lasting Bio Builder, which has been featured in national magazines. They also carry the ultimate brain support and the magnesium multitasker. So whether it's weight loss, internal cleansing, or just targeted health support, go to unikeyhealth.com. Tell them Anne Louise sent you. How prevalent is glaucoma? I know cataracts are prevalent. Is glaucoma getting to be as prevalent? Not, not, not quite as bad, but you know, it's in the millions of people, you know, per year. And macular degeneration. Well, that's a, another tricky one, and, and it's called, technically it's called AMD, which is age-related macular degeneration, because although there are some, you know, genetic and you know some um, issues that can happen in young kids. Those are the rarities, but you know most of the macular degenerations hap happens over fifty, and that's you know we start looking at it. And the challenge here that I see is the fact that, and like I mentioned, that we have normal uh, blue light protectors in the eye, and that's the lutein and zeaxanthin. Those are the carotenoids that we have in our diet. Now, carotenoids are molecules in the food that we eat. And they're typically responsible for the color of our food. Uh, that's why there was a, a good book out years ago called What Color Is Your Diet? Mm. Just talking about the carotenoids. There's over 700 carotenoids in nature. And there's dozens and dozens of them in our, you know, in our body. And, um, and there's two major ones in our retina. And that's the lutein and zeaxanthin. And those are the ones that help, you know, accumulate in the layer of the retina to protect the rods and cones. And they filter blue light, they're yellow pigments. And so the main source of those pigments, um, leafy greens, and that's where the kale and spinach come in, uh, but also yellow foods, yellow peppers and egg yolks. I hesitate saying corn, even though corn could be good because over 95% of corn is genetically modified, yes. but if you can get non-GMO corn, that's a good source of it. Um, the, the interesting part is the eggs, you know, because eggs have taken a bad rap over the last few years, but um, the egg yolks are yellow because of the lutein and zeaxanthin in them. Most important thing, throw away exactly. the Exactly, right. And while there's not a lot of lutein and zeaxanthin in them, in eggs, it's very bioavailable. And here's the challenging part. When we talk about kale and spinach, you know, I always bring up, well, which way is better? Is it raw or cooked? And of course, everybody goes, oh, raw, raw must be better. 
In fact, the lutein and zeaxanthin are bound to the chlorophyll in the, in the green, uh, leafy greens. So in order to get more bioavailability of the lutein and zeaxanthin, which are fat soluble, you need to cook them and, or steam them at least. So that'll break it apart. Now, of course, you'll see the, the water turn green and you think you're losing all your chlorophyll. So, I mean, it's good to have the water, but it's also good to have the, the, um, the cooked uh, kale and spinach available. And with the eggs, there is no chlorophyll. So that's what makes the eggs very bioavailable. So there's a dry and wet macular degeneration. And basically, yeah, all macular degeneration starts dry. And all right, so we need to look and see what's going on in the retina. And basically, um, again, be, being that the retina itself is invisible too, it's clear, okay? Because it's actually, again, light has to go through it. So it stimulates the rods and cones to generate the images in our eye. And so um, the fil um, it, it can't have a direct blood supply. So it has a blood supply from behind it. And that there's a layer uh, behind the retina layer that's called the choroid. And that's our blood supply to the retina. Now there's a, um, a line of cells or a membrane in between those two that control the blood flow and the drainage of the uh, fluids behind the eye. And um, now the, the rods and cones are so highly reactive. I mean, you know, they're the um, you know, most metabolically active cells in the body besides the brain. Um, they, the cells actually regenerate themselves on a regular basis. So they go through this process of regeneration and the back end of the cell actually breaks off and gets absorbed through this membrane and shuttled into the uh, artery, uh, you know, arterial system and back out, you know, into the um, arteries. So there's this constant flow of, new, you know, of um, taking out the garbage, if you will, of, you know, dead cells going uh, from the retina through the membrane and into the, into the choroid and out into the vascular system. Now, over the period of years though, there's some kind of a breakdown in this membrane that's controlling the passage of these uh, waste products. And so these waste products start accumulating. And we see these things in the retina called drusen, and they are little yellowish cloudy spots in the retina. And we see these pretty commonly in older people. And back when I was in school and we didn't really know much about the retina, you know, I remember my professor saying, well, we see these in older people, but they're nothing to be concerned about. Well, they actually are because they're indicators that the trash is not being removed from the retina. Now, the body is sensing this. And so when these uh, accumulations start happening, certainly in the macula, which is the central clear, you know, 2020 point of the retina, See, the retina covers two thirds of the back of the eye, but there's only one tiny millimeter portion that's the clearest vision, and that's called the macula. So when this um, process starts building up in the macula, that's when you, know, you get distortions in the, uh, in the retina. And that's where you know, some people look, you know, look at a grid and they'll see the weight lines get wavy or disappearing and things like that. That's an indicator that the retina is being distorted. Now this is, and that's dry macular degeneration. We see this distortion. 
Now, when this goes on for a while and it starts spreading, the body says, look, I've got to get blood, I've got to get nutrients to the retina. What can I do? And the, and the immune system says, hey, we've got an idea. Let's grow some new blood vessels so we get around those garbage patches. And so they start growing. There's in, um, molecules that actually spark the blood vessels to grow you know, new branches that circumvent these little you know, segments and get, get to the uh, retina. And um, that's great. It sounds like a good thing. But the problem is those blood vessels break down and they're not very strong and they leak and they leak fluids into the retina and there's your wet macular degeneration. So how do you treat it? Well, <clears throat> basically there's no you know, standard treatments for early or mid-stage macular degeneration. Nothing's really shown to them. They're, they're doing some research on different things but you know, really nothing's come up as far as an actual treatment. However, they did a study uh, back and started back in the late 80s uh, with some nutrients. And the nutrients were vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, you know, copper, and beta carotene. And they did a study and it turned out to be a, I think a 10 year study from the National Eye Institute. And they found out that this combina combination of nutrients didn't stop prevent or reverse macular degeneration, but it did slow the progression of it. And so it was called the age-related eye disease study or ARIDS, A-R-E-D-S. Oh, 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 I knew what you were gonna refer to. There you go, I knew you, it would click in. So this is the- Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah, the first ARIDS study was started in 1988. And, but they found out that, you know, some of the people who were taking this, um, had um, issues if they were smokers. And so what they did, and they found out that it was the beta carotene. And so at that time, when they first put this together, lutein and zeaxanthin were not readily available commercially. But um, back in, in the 90s, you know, it was available. So they did a, a second study using the original ARIDS formula, but in one couple of particular arms, they made some changes. And they took out the beta carotene and then they added lutein and zeaxanthin instead. And other ones, they actually lowered the zinc because they had a lot of zinc in it. So they did that study and they found out, sure enough, this, uh, while it didn't, it wasn't as effective as the original ARID study, it did add to it. So another, you know, percentage, a few percentage increase. So it's definitely, and, and they just recently confirmed that it's definitely a safer. Um, formula to take. So it's the ARIDS-2 formula, which has lutein and zeaxanthin in it, but no beta carotene. Is it a multiple vitamin? Well, again, it's only got five or six ingredients in it. So I would not consider, you know, technically you can consider it a multiple vitamin, but my basic philosophy, and this is what came up when I first looked into nutrition, was I did the research and found out the eyes are part of the body. So what's good for the body is good for the eyes. So there's so many different nutrients. It, take a look at a regular, even something as you know, mild as centrum silver. You know, there's a ton of ingredient, you know, nutrients in that, in that formula. So these are all good for the body. And a lot of these things have been shown to be good for the eyes as well. 
alpha lipoic acid, uh, glutathione. I mean, all I go down this whole list of nutrients that have been shown to be, you know, antioxidant, anti-cancer. You know, just have a lot of benefits for our body. So, what what I was, you know, looking for was a full spectrum multiple vitamin and mineral supplement that has all the eye stuff in it, as I turned it to patients. And, you know, the eye stuff being, you know, the lutein, zeaxanthin, and uh, a few other things as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to do, you know, because to get that many nutrients, you know, some people don't like taking, you know, too many pills. The, the product that I was using, unfortunately, is not available anymore. And even that one required, you know, six pills a day. It was three with breakfast and three with dinner. That's but they were small capsules. It was not a big nothing. deal. That's nothing. Says exactly. the woman who takes 150 pills. That's nothing. <laughs> I know everybody has their own, uh, you know, limit on what they consider too many pills. Yes. <laughs> to some people, it's one pill a day. Indeed. You know, especially when you're talking the omega-3 pills that look like horse pills. You know, they're, they're pretty tough to get. Some people can't get them down. So that's where krill comes in. Understood. Yeah. Uh, in our last remaining minutes, tell me about blue light. Is it misunderstood? <laughs> well, you know, it's all right. So my, again, this is what I've been telling patients for years is blue light is the highest energy light reaching the retina. Okay. So that's, you know, that's true um, because the ultraviolet light, which is higher energy is absorbed by the cornea and the lens. and you know, when the lens absorbs too much UV light, it gets a cataract. <laughs> so that's part of that. So, you know, blocking UV light is important, but the blue light will get through to the retina and it is the highest energy light reaching the retina. However, as I mentioned, nature has provided us with a way to block out the blue light with lutein and zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin, which is a, a conversion from lutein. Now, that's another thing I should just address quickly is mesozeaxanthin. It's another one of those carotenoids, but it's not really in the diet. Um, it is in some shrimps uh, shells, turtle skin, and um, fish skin, which are things that people don't normally eat. But um, it is you know, found in the retina, in the center of the retina, but it's converted from lutein to mesozeaxanthin. It's just a, you know, just a little, you know, with an enzyme making a little shift in the molecule. So those are the three, you know, uh, and actually in the macula itself, there's not as much lutein as there is in the periphery of the mac of the of the retina. So it's the zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin that are directly in the center of the retina. Uh, but again, if you have enough lutein, you'll have enough meso. Um, so I got off on a tangent there. Blue light, blue light. Oh, right. Thank you. Um, so this is the way we black out blue light. Now, there's a, a lens company in France that did a study on, you know, um, this blue, you know, uh, they did it with albino rats and they had them sitting in front of a high energy light for 24 or 48 hours straight. And they noticed there was damage to the retina. Well, yeah, because they're albinos, they don't have enough pigment in their eyes. They're holding them close to a high energy source. And so anyway, they did this study and they started you know, talking about how important it was to black out blue light. And they just happened to have a lens, you know, glasses type lens that had a slight yellow tint to it that helped black out some of the blue light. 
Well, that was pretty convenient. I was actually working with a company uh, that was um, developing a yellow lens for computer users that did black out blue light, but we did it. The purpose was to increase the contrast between the letters in the background of the computer screen. And it did work very well. But all of a sudden they were talking about blue light doing these three things, sleep, uh, sleep uh, problems, eye strain, and macular degeneration. And let me quickly just go over those. The sleep problems are the real one, all right? If you're using a, an iPad, you know, within two hours of going to sleep, you're gonna have some sleep issues because this blue light is gonna start waking you up by suppressing melatonin. So, you know, that's why the sky is blue and that's what sparks us to get going during the day is this blue light hitting our eyes. It's, it, you know, gets our energy up. So, and that's why the sky is blue. So, you know, this is, you know, valid is it will cause sleep problems. So either block out the blue light or don't use your uh, iPad before you go to sleep. Eye strain is more related to the amount of, as I talked about, the amount of time you're spending locked into a viewing distance and the other ergonomic issues with the position of the screen, the lighting, and all these other things that are you know, related to uh, computer use. And then there's the macular degeneration. The bottom line is we've had macular degeneration a lot longer than we've had computer screens. So the amount of blue light coming out of an LCD or LCD computer screen is minimal compared to the sun. So you'd have to be in front of a computer screen for 15 hours to equal one hour in the sun. So if you're gonna get blue light blocking lenses, make sure you're in your sunglasses. But as far as needing them on a computer screen, not that big of a deal. I would say just you know, take your lutein and zeaxanthin, take your multiple vitamins, don't worry about the, you know, just take your breaks, <laughs> do the 3B approach. Don't forget to blink because we get dry eyes looking at computer screens. You know, don't forget to breathe and take those, you know, the 20-20-20 rule. So you've written nine books. Tell me a little bit about them before we leave. All right. Well, the, uh, the big one is called Smart Medicine for Your Eyes. And that's where I go over everything that the eye doctor didn't have time to tell you in the eye exam. And it's written in consumer language. I talk about all the you know, homeopathics. I talk about herbals. I talk about basic nutrition. I talk about development of vision. And then we go over the eye surgeries and aging of vision. And during the main part of the book, I take each vision disorder, you know, the eye diseases, and I go through what they are explaining what they are, you know, what the conventional treatments are, what some alternative treatments are, and if there are any nutrients that will help them out, whether they be homeopathic or herbal or nutritional, I mentioned those as well. We, nobody's written about this. That's why that's so wonderful. Yeah. Well, again, that's what I realized when I was in school that I was learning all this amazing stuff about eyes. And like, hey, people don't know about this stuff. And how no. do they find out? And so that's why I want to make it very consumer oriented. Wonderful. And you have a new one out now. Actually, the new one coming out is the second edition of the Smart Medicine for Your Eyes. Oh, excellent. Uh, All this it, new research will be in there. Right, exactly. Uh, the most previous one, the last one that came out was What You Must Know About Eye Strain. And again, it goes through um, all this, you know, issues about eye strain. Certainly, I have a whole section on computers and eye strain, but you know, just what could be misinterpreted as eye strain, 
you know, uh, just all the things. And of course, the nutritional aspects, how to work with ice train and nutrition. Is, are your books available on Amazon? Yes, they are. And who's the publisher? It's Square One Publishers. And uh, you, you need to look, if you're going to look it up, it's best to look it up under, under my full name of Jeffrey Hanshell, A-N-S-H-E-L, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, um, because my brother's written 14 books too, so the last name is going to come up there a lot. Lovely. Yeah. And you're in Hawaii as we speak. Yes. Yep. Just being a grandpa and just, uh, you know, still working, you know, on writing and consulting with companies and promoting stuff. So keeping very active. Thank you for being my guest, Dr. Jeffrey Anshell. Will you come back? Anytime you like, Ann. Thank you. I love the concept that you just edited and revised your, your major book on smart medicine for the eyes. And the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is that nobody really talks about the eyes. I think the eyes are the window to the soul and to the brain. There you go. There, we should do another podcast on that topic. I love it. Okay, we'll, we'll do. Will do. Thank you, everybody, for listening to First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman here. We're now trending in New Zealand, believe it or not. So come listen to us. Have a wonderful week full of happiness. Shalom and peace. Shalom and bracha. And please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.